Welcome for the first fucking time ever. This is episode one, and you are here in the Yucca Circle, motherfucker. This is Trailer Part Cinderella, the debut christening of the podcast. My name is Dylan. I go by Nally. I go by Nallet. I go by Dilly. I go by Young Dilly. I go by the handsome mascot. You're going to get to know a lot about me, but... I don't really want to do the thing. I don't want to do the race. I don't want to do the introduction bullshit. I want to get right into the subject. And the subject of this episode is Gigi Allen and the Allen's documentary that dropped earlier this year. Technically, it hasn't officially dropped. I know the director has been touring it at film festivals. Some For some fucking reason, touring it in film festivals in fucking Germany and Luxembourg and fucking... The UK, I believe, had a show. I know he's done a few shows in the US over here in the States. I'm located in um, a secret location trailer park in West By God, Virginia. I am the trailer park Cinderella. Um, anyway, back to the fucking subject. See what I was getting to do? I was getting ready to make that turn down the boulevard and say... Oh, this is how many years old I am. And see, by complaining about it, I'm kind of doing it right now. So I was able to take you down memory lane and explain and introduce you to who I am. But nagging on it to get to the subject. So you can hear me. I'm a white male. My opinion doesn't matter. And just by saying that, you kind of know where my political stances might be. Nonetheless, the Allen's documentary. For some reason, the fucking director was touring it in overseas. But I believe he did a New York um, showing of the film. I believe he did one in Philadelphia most recently. As I'm recording this, it is August 29th, 2018, which means Gigi Allen would, uh, would have turned 63 or 62. I can't fucking remember. But this is Gigi Allen's birthday. Uh, this is the first episode of the podcast. And I wanted to do an in-depth film review of the Allen's documentary. Now, Gigi Allen... Really, if you're listening to this episode, I assume you just typed in G.G. Allen on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, and here you are, and you want to talk about that new, uh, the Allen's film that came out documenting G.G.'s mother and G.G.'s brother Merle, um, basically 25 years after the death of G.G., just seeing how their lives have been. I know just being in the G.G. Allen subreddit that I'm pretty prolific in, even though I was pretty prolific in. I wasn't a moderator or anything, but I did post a lot over there. I had a Reddit account called Jesco White Lightning. I will be doing an episode on Jesco White 
the fucking West Virginia legend. Some of you may not know who that is because on this episode I'm doing the New Hampshire legend, uh, Gigi Allen. But speaking of Jesco, if I can make a quick segue, I know Merle put out like a t-shirt or a poster that I really need to get for the studio here. It's like a poster of like John Gacy, uh, fucking Gigi, Jesco White, and I want to say Hank Williams 3 and Merle maybe. Just a fucking white trash hodgepodge. It'd just be an interesting piece to put in the studio here. And that studio, I mean a fucking trailer. I mean a fucking trailer park. I mean, I know the podcast doesn't sound perfect, but I'm right in the middle of the trailer park. Uh, Hurricane Fat Sally is about to take us up. So uh, this is my last nine wish to get this podcast out. The Allens documentary. I really don't want to go in depth about who Gigi Allen is. Basically, I'll just break it down. He was a punk shock rock artist. Um, mostly active, active most prolifically between, I think, like, 87. I'm, I may be wrong here, but I think he started doing, like, the shock rock, like, throwing shit, cutting himself, pissing on stage, fighting people in the crowd. I want to say that was between the years of, like, 87 and until his death, and uh, I believe he died in June of 93. Yeah, here, I'm looking at it on the Wikipedia right now. Yeah, he died in June 1993. Of course, uh, you can really look up Gigi Allen, and you'll you'll be mesmerized by the type of guy he is. But I assume if you're listening to this, you already know who he is. You just want to hear the film review. Now, here we are. I did write some show notes, so I'm kind of just going off the notes I made. I've already watched the film, so I just came off watching the film. Um, it's not the first time I've watched it. I... I was able to get it off Facebook. Like somebody uploaded like a German subtitled rip. It's not in German. The uh, the video's in English, but it has like German subtitles. And I was able to watch that. And somebody put it up on Facebook, and I just ripped it off there and downloaded it because I think they've been promoting this for like a year and a half. And it was supposed to come out. Uh, I keep track of the Facebook with Merle and the Allen's Facebook page. No sign of a DVD. I will support, like, a digital release or a DVD or a Blu-ray or whatever the fuck they want to put out. But if they put out a DVD or a Blu-ray, like a physical copy of this documentary, I absolutely love it. I understand a lot of people in the Gigi Allen subreddit, like, I was trying to get to this earlier. Uh, in the Gigi Allen subreddit, I remember when it first came out, a lot of people were kind of skeptical, saying, like, I don't know if I want to watch it. I, I don't know if... Uh, if watching this documentary will, like, take away from the G.G. Allen uh, quotations kayfabe. Like, if I peek behind the curtain and see um, too much about his mom or his brother's personal life, maybe it might peel back the curtain and I might walk away not looking at G.G. Allen the same way. And I don't think people said that in a bad way. I think, like, you know, when you think of G.G. Allen, you're thinking of him punching somebody in the crowd. You're thinking of, like, the, you know, the TED Talk video I think somebody uploaded, which is fucking hilarious. Like, the one where he's talking about committing suicide on October 31st, 1990. The Boston newspaper wrote it in an article, which, crazy, that somehow, like, in a Boston newspaper, they're like, oh, by the way, this is a local artist, uh, you know, in the New England area, saying he's gonna kill himself. I was right about it. I just thought it was weird that he made a local paper. Or maybe it was just that it was a local paper, but whatever. Um, and some girl's like, why don't you kill yourself sooner? And he's like, oh, you what? What's that? What's that? Come up here. Come in the mic and say it. And he's like punches her and drags her. It's... I, I got a fucked up sense of humor, and I assume if you're a G.G. Allen fan, you're the same, so I'm not going to apologize for having a fucked up sense of humor. I thought it was funny. You know what else I thought was funny? And I, this one's a little more fucked up. 
somebody made this hilarious YouTube video of like the Trump Donald Trump inauguration, and it's it's edited as so to make it look like Gigi Allen performed the fucking inauguration, and it's just so fucking funny. Who actually performed the Gigi Allen or not the fucking Gigi Allen presidential election? The fucking Donald Trump, same fucking thing. Uh, who performed it? Fucking Nickelback. Uh, three doors down or some shit like I don't know but they edited it to make it appear as if Gigi had came back from the dead and it's just a hilarious video I, I want you to check it out go on YouTube and just look up Gigi Allen Trump inauguration and it should be the first video that pops up it's just an old Gigi performance but it's made to look like you know the Fox News CNN you know ticker underneath and blah 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 uh, stupid meme meme internet stupid YouTube st- shit anyway this is the Trailer Park Cinderella. This is episode one, and this is the Allens uh, 2017 documentary about the family of punk shock rocker Gigi Allen. Our main stars Arletta, uh, my, Arletta Allen, I guess, um, who is the mother of uh, Kevin, who is Kevin is the changed name of Gigi Allen. See, he was born Jesus Christ Allen. Because his father had like this message from God that told him his son would be great. So he was named Jesus Christ. That's a long fucking story. And, you know, his father was a psycho and Arletta needed to get out of that situation. And I think when Gigi was like three or four, she changed his name to Kevin Michael. But he was always donned Gigi. The name Gigi comes from um, Jesus, Merle who was his older brother, but only by like two or three years. Uh, Merle couldn't pronounce the name Jesus, so he would say Gigi. So um, she just kind of went with that, like, oh, let's call him anything but Jesus. As a matter of fact, I don't think any hospital would ever let you get away with that. But knowing Gigi Allen's upbringing and the fucking violent past he had, he was probably born in the fucking log cabin. I don't fucking know. In the fucking tub with no running water in it. Uh, here we go. The film starts at the St. Rose Cemetery. The, this is the grounds where the body, the fucking worm-ridden body of Gigi Allen was laid to rest on June 28, 1993. Could you imagine what that body smells like? Like, surely he's, like, fucking decomposed. Like, the worms tried to eat him, and his body ate the worms back. Like, certainly a fucking... There's no fucking way. Um, when you watch the film... I'm just going to take you guys through it. You see one of the main stars. First, you see the brother of Gigi, Merle Allen, who is the older brother, who actually today, not today, um, very soon, on September 1st, he will be celebrating his 65th birthday. I actually looked that up. So he'll be turning 65 if he doesn't die in the next couple days. Merle shows us the resting area where his headstone stood until a fan knocked it off the platform, and then he specifies a Catholic priest actually held the tombstone hostage for three years. Um, I guess he just figured the tombstone brought, like, so much negative attention because we then, you know, like, people pissing on it and, like, desecrating it. We then see Arletta Allen, who is the mother of Merle and Gigi. Uh, She then goes on to explain how it tears her apart. It just hurts her hot that every time she goes to visit the gravesite of her son, Kevin, uh, that she can't see the stones. She blames Gigi and Merle's, quote, stupidness for being the reason. Um, as the film goes along, and there's old interviews of Arletta talking about it, uh, saying that she doesn't really support it per se. But you tell, you can tell to the, the constant of the film with Arletta is that um, 
she's aware of what Gigi did. She knows what Gigi did. She doesn't like any of the music. She doesn't support any of the shit he did. And you really don't get to see her specify. Like, you never get to hear her implicitly speak about Gigi Allen shitting on stage, punching people, throwing shit, sticking a microphone up his ass. Like, she she never goes into specifics in the entire film. Um, However, we learn that the rabid fans of the rock and roll terrorist Gigi Allen are the real problem, uh, basically desecrating the gravesite. It even shows some footage of two guys who, uh, it, like, a car drives by, and the filmmaker is just filming the gravesite, and a, two guys in a car come by, and they say, hey, we're in town to, uh, we're going to climb Mount Washington, but, you know, we, uh, we were in town, so we had to make a stop at the grave to, you know, honor G.G. Allen. You got to see G.G. Allen's grave. So, uh, yeah, they just show two fans who stopped by to see G.G. Allen's grave because they were on their way to climb Mount Washington. But you know what? I actually took the liberty to look it up, to do the math, the quick math. But I looked it up on Google Maps. It's, it's an hour and 30 minutes from Mount Washington, which is located in Sargent's Purchase, New Hampshire. And the cemetery where Gigi's buried is in uh, St. Rose Cemetery, located in Littleton, New Hampshire. So, yeah, the film makes it out. Like, these dudes just, oh, we just stopped on by. You know, when you're in town, you got to see Gigi Allen's grave. But it's really, when you look it up on Google Maps, the place they were talking about, Mount Washington, is an hour and 30 minutes from the grave. So, these are, like, really dedicated Gigi Allen fans, or they're just plants. You're like, hey, just drive your car up and say you're coming to see it or something. I don't know. But make it, I guess there's nothing really in this New England town, and that's, like, the closest fucking landmark. But regardless, it's an hour and a half from where these guys were talking about. We then get some old vintage footage. I'm not sure how old it is, but, you know, by the graininess, looks like a VHS camera rip. Gigi died in 93, so I'll take a stab in the dark and say the footage they're showing here is from 96. It just shows some dude playing an acoustic version, uh, an acoustic version of Outlaw Scumfuck. He's, like, sitting on the grave. That was actually the intro song I'm going to use for this podcast. Because everybody knows that I'm a scumbag. I like sluts and whores and I don't care. You can say just what you want to say about me. But if I hear you, I might just go knock you off your chair. All right. Because uh, I like to drink whiskey by the gallon. I live on peanut butter sandwiches. I don't care. I spent some nights in jail in this old country. Everybody hates me. I just don't fucking care. Um, wh- while watching the Allens, I noticed they played a lot of Gigi Allen songs that are actually pretty good, in my opinion. Uh, because he has such a big discography. But so much of it is just, whether it's poorly recorded it, or it's just bad audio work, it just doesn't sound good, you know. I, I enjoyed that, watching the film, because, I, like, when it comes to, I am a fan of Gigi Allen, obviously, but I'm not, like, a huge fan of a lot of his more, like, clearly, like, trying to get a reaction type songs and shit, but... Like, basically, a lot of my favorite Gigi Allen songs, they play here. I'm a fan of, of a lot of the spoken word shit or the, um, like, the outlaw country-esque. And I'm not a country fan. Literally, Gigi Allen has, like, opened my eyes up to, like, country music. And I'm, like, outside of Johnny Cash, like, before I discovered Gigi Allen, like, I, I would have never gave 
country music a chance. And maybe maybe it's not called country music. Maybe it's more like an outlaw, like an old western kind of country. I don't fucking know. Maybe I sound like a fucking retard trying to explain the differences between it. Because I think a lot of the country shit he does is like a cover anyway, like I would assume. At least it sounds like shit I've heard before. <coughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I noticed they played a lot of music like that. Um, and I enjoyed that. They used some of his best work, and we'll discuss those songs as we get to them. We see the grave. Kevin Michael Allen, rock and roll terrorist. It actually says that on his tombstone. That's just so insane to me. Uh, we see Merle. He explains that the past 20 years, fans have made the pilgrimage to, uh, to the grave to pay their respects to Gigi. However, some fans do it more tasteful than others. It then shows a montage of... You see, like, a guy sharing a beer over the tombstone. It shows some dude, like, burning an American flag over the tombstone. Of course, somebody pissing on it. Of course, somebody, like, dropping a deuce on it. There's one video where Merle catches a fan pissing on it and, like, hits him with a guitar. I don't know how staged that video. I mean, it looks pretty staged. Eh, I don't know. Just, like, the way he hits him with the guitar. It's still fucking funny, but the way he hits him with the guitar kind of looks kind of staged. And, like, they amped up the sound effect, but, eh, whatever. Uh, one fan I noticed in the montage they played brought the very unique gift of a toilet seat with Eat My Diarrhea. So you get some points for originality on that one. And the opening song that's played at the beginning of the uh, film, it sounds like a fucking Christmas tune, if you didn't know. It's the Snake Man. Um, I'm a snake, cold at heart. I reveal nothing to you. You only see what I want you to see. My attack will leave no clues. You'll never know what I'm thinking. You'll not penetrate my layers of skin. But when I'm triggered and on the edge, my bite will suck you in. Oh, there you go. Uh, cinematography is on point with the lovely New Hampshire background scenery. You get to see the mountains and the trees. Uh, Franconia? Franswonia? I don't know what the fuck this location is called. But it's a little itty-bitty town, middle-of-nowhere fucking town in New Hampshire. We see Arletta. She says that she hated Gigi, but she loved Kevin, which is so weird how, just saying, like, it's so weird how attached she is to Kevin because as the film goes on, she seems like, oh, I love Kevin so much. I love Kevin. I love Kevin. I love Kevin. I hate Gigi, but I love Kevin. But, like, there's so many points in the film where he, like, like would write her death notes. and she, I don't know. I, I just think it's kind of weird how attached she is to him. Um... Regardless, Arletta explains the difference between Kevin and Gigi. She says, quote, he wasted his talent and killed himself. Uh, we then see Merle, who is currently living out of Los Angeles, and he's quoted for saying, I admire Gigi for his intelligence, musical ability. He's the best brother anyone could have. Uh, then we see Merle in like a fucking car, regular-ass car, it's just such a great scene to see Merle Allen dressed in complete edgelord, satanic, serial killer gear in this quiet little suburban neighborhood in California. He just pulls up, and then he gets, like, some food from his neighbor, who's like, oh, Merle, Merry Christmas, you're a great neighbor. It's just so weird with this old man with this big red and black beard, dyed red and black, loud, dark clothes with a fucking... Naked Gigi Allen getting a pitchfork in his ass. And he's just living in this suburban area. He opens the door. Merle's house is just amazing. Like, it's like a fucking... It's like he lives in the serial killer museum. 
Um, then it shows this great shot of Merle Allen, like, in the bed, reading a Richard Ramirez autobiography or whatever the fuck, in, like, a leopard print bed and PJs, fucking leopard print pajamas. Just a fucking great screenshot. Uh, you then see Merle on Facebook, and he quotes, Everybody loves Gigi, and I make money continuing his legacy by pimping his shit. And I actually, um, I've messaged Merle on Facebook. He's really easy to get a hold of, basically because he's just trying to get money out of you. And if he knows you're not buying, he's probably just, he's like, ah, you just a waste of fucking time. But I remember he was selling, like, funeral pamphlets from Gigi Allen's funeral. And all I could think was, does he just reprint them? I mean, honestly, like, he's like, oh, these are the final ones. It was, like, ten of them, and they were going for, like, $30 or some shit. He just, and it's real. He really does pimp out this shit on his Facebook. And he's real active. So if you shoot him a message on Facebook, uh, I'd say 99% chance he's going to reply. He's just really accessible. So that is completely true. I did pop big when it showed him on the Facebook. Merle makes his living by pimping out Gigi Allen and maybe, you know, a small fraction from touring with the junkies. We see Arletta who shows her casual paintings. Uh, funny when she mentions uh, that Merle eds her on to sell edgy art. Like, Merle's like, no, why don't you draw some gravestones or, you know, instead of a fucking picnic table. She doesn't think anyone would buy them because of the art, but she thinks people would buy them because she's Gigi, Gigi Allen's mother, mother, which is, which is 100%, 100% true. She thinks it's odd how Merle makes it seem like if he didn't sell Gigi Allen, if he didn't stop mentioning Gigi Allen, that it's like he would be gone. It shows some disdain. It's like Arletta, she loves Merle, but she doesn't like how... I don't know if she doesn't like how he, like, completely pimps him out and, like, completely sells every possible scent he can get out of him. But it's... She even says, like, she doesn't have to be reminded every single day that her son is dead. And Merle's just, every time she sees Merle, Gigi Allen t-shirt, fucking Gigi Allen bobblehead, Gigi Allen clock. Uh, Merle even shows his Gigi Allen room, like a complete merchandise room. Uh, fucking movies, CDs, reel-to-reels, vinyl records, stickers, patches, t-shirts, jackets, just bobbleheads, just any fucking memorabilia you can possibly think of. Artwork, fan artwork. Uh, we then get a glimpse into the childhood of Gigi and Merle. Uh, they lived alone in a locked cabin, no phone in the middle of the woods. Gigi Allen and Merle had an abusive father. They don't remember having any company over to their house. They were very poor. Uh, Arletta even makes a point to say that Gigi's dad, he didn't work, but he always got a new truck, and pretty much all the income went to him and the home. So just a fucking terrible upbringing, just completely... Uh, a lot of people would argue that that is solely the reason Gigi became who he became. And it's kind of amazing that they even made it out of that situation. Like, the fact that they even got out of that situation uh, is amazing. And we'll, we'll actually hear more about that as uh, the film goes on. The way the film is made, it kind of just shows like, oh, here's like modern day Merle and Arletta. Oh, here's Gigi Allen, 85. Modern day. Here's Gigi Allen in 88. Modern day. Here's Gigi Allen in 91. Here's Gigi's childhood. Um, the pacing of doing a documentary about someone who's been dead for 25 years 
and trying to also document what his day-to-day is of his remaining family is hard to do because you don't know how you want to do it. Like, you still want to introduce people who don't know about Gigi Allen at all to who he is. So it's kind of hard to watch this if you're not a Gigi Allen fan and if you haven't watched Hated 5,000 times like I have. But it comes back to this, and I think the pacing of the documentary is done really well. I think I've watched the Allens like seven fucking times. I love it. And I even watched it another time just to get these notes. Um, Merle then shows another secret room completely covered in framed Gigi Allen pictures and posters, scrapbook memorabilia, prison artwork. He calls the room off-limits to everyone. He calls it his secret escape room for just him and his brother. Merle is visited by a fan who's trying to purchase a Gigi Allen shirt that he wore. It was like a Ramones t-shirt. It had a bunch of holes in it. I don't think it was ever disclosed what the price was. So it was like this awkward thing where Merle answers the door. Some dude comes in like, whoa, I'm very interested in that shirt. And and Merle's like, oh, it's expensive. Worth a lot of money. But then it just kind of ends. I don't know if like the dude didn't buy it or I don't know what the fuck. It's awkward how they threw that in there. It becomes very apparent in the film that Arletta hates everything Gigi Allen did and that Merle pimps out every possible fucking thing he can. We hear some audio of Gigi who talks about growing up in the woods in New Hampshire with no running water, no heat, no electricity. Talks about, you know, his father was a violent man and that made him the warrior soul at an early age. And like I said earlier, like you would think that upbringing would definitely like change how you perceive the world and such. Because you can imagine, like, even at that young age, what his father could have been trying to put into their heads. Arletta said that she left for the kids when things got scary. She never talked to Gigi's dad after they left. Um, She said the last time she talked to him, it was the day Gigi Allen died. She called him, uh, told him that, you know, Kevin's dead. That's the first person she called, but he never showed up to the funeral, and... The weird thing is they don't mention his name, so like I don't know if there's ever going to be a way to figure out who he is. Is he still alive? I doubt it, but then again, she's alive, Merle's alive, pretty much everyone but Gigi made it out alive. Um, We fast forward to 1964. I think Merle at this time would have been 11, so Gigi was 8 or 9. Cherry Love Affair plays, which is a fucking great Gigi Allen song. Probably his only positive, uplifting track that isn't about fucking an 11-year-old. But, anyway, moving to Lancaster, finally they got freedom. It felt like they were in prison since they were born. Arletta gave them the freedom that they never had. Gigi spoke about when they, you know, moved in without their father. It was just uh, his mom and his brother Merle. They robbed, stole, broke into houses to make money. They hitchhiked to concerts in their uh, youth. They saw Aerosmith before they got big, as Merle described it, and specifies um, seeing Alice Cooper in 1972. He said they lived and breathed rock and roll. It's all they fucking cared about. Um, We didn't see this weird out-of-place clip of Merle Allen modern day, like on the phone, like booking a murder junkie show. And he's talking to, I assume, the booker of the, the owner of the venue, like, hey, I just want to make sure... We keep the price at $10. It's like, dude, the fucking pimp that you are, and you, you're like, oh, I don't want to make sure we rip the fans off. I don't know if the director put that in there, like, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> you're probably wanting to see if we can get it for $11. Uh, Merle receives the package in the mail. 
Uh, somebody sent like a GG Allen face madness. That's pretty cool. Uh, it then shows us 1976. G.G. Allen and Merle Allen, their first band was called Mal- Malpractice. Uh, Merle played bass. G.G. played drums at the beginning of his music career. And interesting, I never knew this, Arletta did the light show and the sound for the band Malpractice. So it was like a family effort, which I literally, maybe she said this, and maybe this has been known, but I had no idea. And that goes back to just talking about the film when I was waiting for it. Because I think I was waiting for like a year until I actually got to see it. I was like, well, what else is there to know about Gigi Allen that we don't already know? Like, everything has been said so many times. And there's such little document... I mean, there's a lot, considering he wasn't a very huge name. And there's a Jerry Springer appearance. And there's the Jane Whitney. Uh, There's so much crazy shit he did. But the fact that I came away knowing that she did the light show for him. I don't know. I just thought that was really neat. Uh, she spoke about Gigi, imitated everything Merle did. They were always in constant competition with each other. Merle started the band Thrills. He was riding high, opening for the Ramones, U2, the Cars. And at that time, Gigi was doing uh, music with the Jabbers. Um, Arletta said Gigi should, could have chosen to be a good musician, but he chose to kill himself. Basically what she said earlier, so that was weird. Um, She then speaks with Rob Basso, Basso, uh, the guitarist for the Jabbers, who is still alive. And just speaking off of those terms alone, the music that Gigi Allen did with the Jabbers, I believe their album dropped in like 81 or 80. Fucking amazing music. Like fucking great. Like early pop punk music. Really fucking good music. And like she says, I think it's interesting that they she has Arletta talking to Rob Baso, who was in the Jabbers. For the music, like that was the most, I think, proper GGL music. And I think that was before he went crazy. Like he was always rambunctious and wild on stage, but I don't think he had quite went cuckoo yet, but whatever. Um, Rob talks about having a son who's not in the music the way he was. Um... Arletta's confiding in him, saying, why did I have such abnormal kids, and why did they grow up to be such freaks, and he's like, well, uh, growing up, you know, abnormal was normal, you know, my kid, and I brought my guitar, you know, didn't play, you want to play football, uh, Arletta was relieved to know that somebody thought it made her feel good to have somebody say that Gigi was a good musician, and not just a nut, which is crazy, I mean, she's heard that before, come on. And I think he really was. like that. The Jabbers era was like a proper good music. And 1983, it shows an early interview of Gigi with the long hair looking like a proper 80s hair rocker. Uh, then we see the Live Fast, Die Fast video where the opening skit, like somebody throws Gigi out of like a venue or out of a club and, you ain't seen the last of me, buddy. Go home, will ya? Me and the boys are living for the night. Sounds like early Alice Cooper. I like it. I like the shit. And it, it has Merle in the background saying the 80s sucked. But, they, yeah, they sucked for you because Merle had to work two jobs just to pay his bills. He left Thrills. He was married and miserable. And, you know, basically Gigi was doing really well and Merle just wasn't. Merle was living the life he thought, you know, he, he tried to avoid living. Uh, we then see the family cottage. It's like this fucking lake house they have. I, I don't really know. And I don't want to ask any questions because I don't know 
Does Merle own it? Does Arletta own it? I mean, it looks like she just has like a modest home, almost like a double wide. Like it just seems kind of like they aren't really well off. But then again, I don't know. Merle might pinch a penny. Who knows? Merle shows a script a filmmaker gave Gigi Allen the comeback tour, C-U-M, which was a low-budget horror movie based on Gigi coming back to life. Annie Teal! We then see the first appearance of Annie Teal, who was the girlfriend of Merle Allen, um, said they met at a Murder Junkie show. He was at the Mertz table, fell in love. Um, Arletta loves Annie Teal, the girlfriend of Merle, says she's basically like Gigi. All they need is each other. They don't go out. They don't socialize. So I guess uh, Merle's got a lover, I guess. Arletta talks to this mute guy. This is side character Bob. I'm going to call him Mute Guy Bob. He's just like this old dude who like eats mayonnaise sandwiches with Arlette all the fucking time. I don't know if he's a mute. I don't know if he doesn't fucking speak. Or, I mean, like at that point, just blur your face from the video cause, or the movie because you mean nothing. You're not even contributing anything. I don't know if he, him and Arletta have like a romantic relationship. I have no fucking idea, and it doesn't explain. It just says like friend. So I don't know if he's hitting it or not. Um... Yeah, but Arletta talks to Bob about Annie and Merle having a kid, but she says it probably don't happen. She says she would really want a grand, uh, a grandson or a granddaughter. <coughs> then we find out Nico, Gigi's daughter. Um, Arletta talks about not having a relationship uh, with Nico, who I think Nico was born in like the late 70s. So I assume she's still alive. I mean, she would probably be you know, in her late 30s, early 40s at this point, I would assume. Arletta says she brought Nico up for the first three years of her life, but because the mother hated Gigi so much, it's like she didn't get to associate with even Gigi's family, and there's no interview, there's no where is she now. It's basically like, yeah, she just doesn't come around, and I don't know. And there's a lot of vague things that happen in this film, but that's one of the biggest ones. But they do mention her. So, Gigi Allen's daughter, Nico. Uh, she says, all I got left is, is Nico and Merle. How nice would it be if uh, me and Nico had a wonderful relationship? Um, so, yeah, she's just pretty bummed out that she can't see her granddaughter. Sa- said it's the only piece of Kevin left. Uh, and, yeah, there's no reason as to why that relationship deteriorated other than the mother of Nico just didn't like Gigi. So, there you go. 1986. A Gigi Allen interview, uh, some shit, some fucking thought, some road thought. I was like, what's your mom like? Gigi's like, I don't talk to her. You know, I got three mothers, three fathers. This is real awkward. It's it's weird seeing, like, Gigi Allen, who I would assume is, like, the most confident guy ever. I mean, the dude was, like, openly wielding, like, a two-inch dick. So him being awkward around this chick is weird. But he basically publicly says, like, he doesn't really give a shit about his mom. Arletta says she didn't see Gigi for years, and she didn't have the means to go look for him. She knew she, uh, he was sleeping on the street. And then she she says she wonders if maybe if she tried to help him, would it have changed things? Honestly, I don't think it would have. I think Gigi Allen was just one of these people that were just set in their fucking ways. And I, I just, if any if anything, Arletta might have actually hurt her opinion of him. Like, maybe he would have struck her and went crazy. I don't fucking know. But I think if she tried to go find him on the street, he would have been totally against that idea. And she says, and I'll never know. I'll always wonder. (coughs) But, I mean, I I really don't think it would have meant shit. 
we see some footage of a long-haired Gigi Allen saying he hasn't eaten in a week. And then one of his fans is like, how are you going to shit? Oh, give me, give me a cheeseburger. I'll shit. And here we are. It's full-on shock rock Gigi. Uh, there's a radio interview where Gigi says, I don't, I don't come to these shows to entertain. I see the crowd as my enemy. I don't like them. I, I want to push things as far as I can. Uh, and it shows like a montage of Gigi Allen shitting on the stage, rubbing it on himself, throwing it. And then Merle says, it's just shit. It don't smell too good, but it's just shit, and it just wipes off. And then we see Merle fucking pulling his shit out of the toilet, putting on latex gloves and painting a giant turd on a canvas. And, of course, he sells the shit on Facebook for $100. 1988. Kevin was no doubt, uh, in uh, my in mind, mind, split, split personality, personality, says Arletta. Arletta. Merle... Uh, spoke on Gigi. He said, I think Gigi got himself so deep um, into the character of Gigi Allen that he didn't know how to get out of it, and he had to keep going further and further and further till he hit the brink. Arletta showed some hate letters, said that Kevin would write me hate letters, and one time I brought them to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist said that your son Kevin is under the influence by the way the letters were formed, Personally, I don't fucking know about that. I, I just think that's fucking gobbledygook. That's like almost like those mediums that talk about like, oh, your dead relative, and they, they say the most vague shit. And human emotion can be played with very easily. So if you just do a quick Google search on fucking Gigi Allen, and you went to his mom, or I mean, I don't know. I just think that shit's crazy. I, I, Gigi Allen was a crazy person. Like, I, I don't think it was like this, no, no, he's... No, he was. He's under the influence. I, I, just, I don't know. Like, he would have had to mail the letter. I don't know. It's just too much. It's too much he would have had to go through to get that to happen. Gigi proclaims uh, that he has declared war on the underground. I am fucking rockin' fucking roll. October 31st, 1990, I will commit suicide on stage. And this was the big countdown for the suicide of Gigi Allen. Sitting in this room, dark and gloom. Four walls looks me to be hell. Sitting in this room, so, so bad, I might as well be off in jail. Gigi Allen basically fucking invented slam poetry with that one. Uh, everybody outside these walls to me seems so plastic. They seem so phony and so unreal. Um, Gigi Allen had a three-year sentence. I, I don't think he served it. Um, it was interesting when Arletta said Hell's Angels became a sponsors and he did AA. Arletta thinks he cleaned up. I don't know if that's, I don't really know about Hell's Angels and all that shit, but whatever. And they don't really, they kind of gloss over it, so it's not really explained. Merle wants to get the band together and wanted to be ready to start the Murder Junkies as soon as Gigi got out of prison. And when you see Gigi, he comes back, he looks completely different. He's jacked, he's got a shaved head. He doesn't look, like when he was had long hair, he was just like this skinny dude, but now he's kind of fit. It's just something about Gigi, once he comes out of jail, he just looks like a fucking badass. I don't know what it is, but he, he comes out looking better. And the bald Gigi is the best version, in my opinion. Uh, Gigi is back with a vengeance. And then Bite It You Scum, the iconic track. Gigi said, fuck you to his parole agent. Went on the road anyway. Um, Merle talks about the emotions being high in the club during performances. Fear, anger. Um, you go from everybody loving you 
uh, to the time the show was over. Everybody hated you. Uh, Gigi was on his own, always able to take care of himself somehow, picking fights in the crowd more often than not. He got beat up more. Because when they show the footage, it looks like Gigi Allen starts the fight, and then almost like four people gang up on him, then he doesn't know what to do. We see this weird uh, piece where Arletta's like slowly walking the aisles of the grocery store. She says, when people in public ask me about my son's band, I say, I don't know. And that footage was almost placed there as like, you know, here's this woman, you know, with this crazy son that really not a lot of people know about. And here she is living her daily life, picking up, you know, washing, washing detergent, detergent at the grocery, grocery store. store. Um, modern GG fans, we see some current, like, Murder Junkies fans. They say they love GG. They say GG is a way of life. No rules. Fuck authority. Fuck everything. Fuck you. Fuck you. It's a mentality. Um... The documentary kind of bats out of his Halloween 1990 promise. And I'm not sure if he was in jail at the time of, like, Halloween 1990. But they don't even mention it. They just kind of gloss over it. I guess because it didn't happen. But instead, they gloss over it by saying, Gigi Allen was the greatest self-promoter of all time. And then it shows Gigi, like, the weirdest fucking audio clip. Gigi's covered in shit on his chest, bleeding on his arm, has a fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin bloodstain on his forehead, and he's like, uh, you know, I'll be in Jerry Springer this Tuesday. So uh, look me on TV. It's on uh, NBC. I'll be in Jerry Springer this Tuesday. It's like so weird that he probably just shit on somebody, got in a fight, beat a woman. He's like, oh, by the way, I'll be on Jerry Springer. Gigi is going to kill himself when he reaches his apex, his peak. He says when you reach your peak, you should kill yourself and die because you've already wrecked the best you're ever going to be. How do the junkies continue after Gigi died? Merle just wanted to play. We now see Dino sets in the car with a portable CD player going over his beats, brushing his teeth on the day off of the tour, the Murder Junkies 2016 tour. Dino reflects on Gigi in the old days, saying, To reminisce about them is human nature. It's beautiful. We now see a modern junkie show, and Dino Sets still fucking performs naked. And I, I can't tell if he has a plastic seat or a nice or a vinyl, vinyl seat. seat. I can't really, can't tell. really tell. But you know the, yeah, vinyl, the vinyl seat like chaps him. Merle says that keeping the band together is hard. After Gigi died, the early years were the hardest. He said finding a senior that understood what they were trying to do was so difficult. We even see a montage of all the Murder Junkies lead seniors from 1993 onward, and now we have P.P. Duvet, the current senior, who was wearing implicitly a Rey Mysterio mask, which I thought was kind of cool. He says it's not an easy band to be in. Everybody wants to see a train wreck. Everybody wants to see a car crash. He says, Gigi Allen, I can't be that man. I won't be that man. Boss has been dead for 25 years, and he ain't coming back. Dino says he will do a lot, but he won't put shit on himself. And then we see uh, Dino hitting a nice drum solo. And the ritual now for Murder Junkie shows is that after the drum solo, they find the most moderately attractive woman in the crowd to stick drumsticks up his ass. And honestly, what the fuck, Dino says? Honestly, I'd rather rub shit on myself than have two drumsticks lodged up my asshole. I mean, I thought it was weird. I says, Gigi would rub shit on himself. I, I won't do that, but I'll stick two drumsticks up my ass. It's funny seeing him clean the stits afterwards. And she really gives it to him with those two, two drumsticks, by the way. Um, Merle says, we make more money today 
Because back when Gigi was alive, the money we were supposed to make got yayed back to the venue because Gigi would destroy the speakers, break the microphone, you know, break the lights, and they would end up going home with no money. Uh, they even say that uh, the girls look better nowadays. Uh, in the Gigi Allen days of the Murder Junkies, the girls in the crowd looked like dudes, and honestly, they were tougher than the dudes. No hot chits at a Gigi Allen show. And uh, Merle and Dino talk about now, you know, there's hot girls all over the place. We see Dino and Merle eating at Pizza Hut. Um, interesting enough, I think Pizza Hut's the worst fucking type of pizza. Oh, you want a pizza with, you know, a water hose sprayed over it? Sure, here. Merle says that Dino should uh, start selling those drumsticks and make more money and don't just give them away. And uh, Dino's like, well, I'll only give them away on special circumstances if it's a hot chick or whatever the fuck. Baltimore. It's the final day of the Murder Junkies tour. Dino and Merle say that they could go for a tour for another month. And uh, the band splits up, and they say goodbye after the tour. Dino in the car with Merle back home. He says, Gigi was in spirit with us. Then we go back. Flashback, 1992. Five Five shows shows into the tour. tour. Gigi Allen arrested arrested again, again, this time for for indecent indecent exposure exposure and public public lewdness. lewdness. Kevin Michael Allen, guilty of disorderly conduct. Uh, Gigi says, I'm the king of the underground. They're trying to kill rock and roll. They can't fucking do it. I'm the final rock and roller left. And then they wait another year while Gigi's in jail. And Gigi in jail writing lyrics for the new album. And the junkies waiting for Gigi to come out of jail writing uh, music for a year. And he gets out and he's like, let's make a new fucking record. Uh, We go back to 2016. Near the end of the film, they really hop back and forth. Back to 2016, Merle visits Dino in NYC. Uh, at his apartment complex, bring some breakfast, and uh, fucking Dino says is a fucking hoarder. Fucking beds flipped over, just junk all over the fucking place. Merle sees a pile of drumsticks, and he's already like, oh, boy, you uh, probably sell them. <laughs> just like getting on his ass about selling shit. And he says, uh, are you going to come with me for a Japan tour? I don't know if that ever materialized or not, but that sounds fucking awesome. A murder junkie's... Japanese tour. I'm going to look it up right now. Murder Junkies Japan. I'm looking it up, and I can't really tell anything, but eh, I don't think it ever happened. I don't know. I, I don't really see anything. But regardless, that just sounds cool in its own right. I wonder how big of an audience Gigi Allen would have in Japan. That's just such a weird thing. But um, uh, we discovered Bar Harbor in Maine apparently cheated with Merle on Annie Teal, and uh, Annie Teal and Merle are broken up. I always get this random storyline. I, I thought the whole storyline of Annie Teal was just so threw, threw in for no reason. So, um, yeah, they broke up. I guess he cheated with some chick on tour. Uh, Merle has a woman for five years. He had Anne for seven. So he did pretty good. Uh, he has a girl for five years, and then he gets rid of them, and I fall in love with the girls, and then he leaves them, and I lose them. Merle, you're going to die a lonely old man. And I just thought that was the most hilarious thing. Merle, who's fucking still 27 in his fucking head, is like, you're going to die a lonely old man. But then, cinematography points. If you remember in the Hated documentary, I think when it introduces Merle Allen, it shows him like perched like a fucking vulture with his Hitler mustache over this building. And they and they show a close-up on his mustache and his eyes. They do that same shot as he's, like, looking out on his car, 
like at a lookout where you'd make out with your high school girlfriend, and he's like looking into the skyline. Beautiful cinematic gold right there with his with bushy, bushy mustache, mustache in the wind. In the wind. Eerily, eerily similar to the hated Sean Merle looking, looking like a like vulture or some shit. shit. Speaking of eerie, uh, footage of Arletta gazing into a mirror, like looking at her heart pacemaker with audio of Gigi talking about wanting to kill himself and he doesn't care. All he wants to do is go out in a blaze of glory. Really scary, unsettling part of the film. Uh, basically saying, like, you know, I'll be the one that takes me out. And then you... I get what the film was trying to do. It's like, oh, here's this woman who's crying about her dead son, and here's her son, you know, saying, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to die, and who, who fucking gives a fuck? I get what they were trying to do there. Uh, Merle is traveling to see Arletta from L.A. to New Hampshire. I, this is a weird part of the film, because it's like almost like he travels to see her all the time, but she says, uh, he says, I haven't seen her in a couple years, which makes the footage weird. Like, I don't know... If this was recorded over like a five-year period or some fucking... I don't know. It's just weird. Anyway, he goes to see Arletta after not seeing her for a while. And she come, he's, he ha, she has a pacemaker. Uh, basically, her heart is running on batteries, is what, how she described it. Uh, she's wearing Birkenstocks. Every New England woman has them. And then Merle shows off his custom-made John Wayne Gacy fucking slip-ons. Custom-made. I'm going to sell them after the tour's over. I think you were pot Jewish, Merle. I really do. Like, uh, Arletta says, don't you think Gigi would want to be alive now? Don't you think he'd want to be here with us? And then Merle says, uh, I don't think I could see Gigi living to be old, which is, I think, the best way to put it. Like, he only lived, like, 30-something. I mean, how much older could he have lived to be? I mean, he would have been in pain from all the abuse he put his body through. Arletta worries that nobody did anything at the cemetery. Merle says he doubts it because there's no gravestone, so he doubts anyone would have wanted to done anything. And then you see mother and son, Merle and Arletta, walking down the road, and she asked about uh, Annie Till. She's like, oh, are you guys getting back together? He's like, no, I, she's hurt. I would be too. <laughs> um, they look at the art paintings. Merle, uh, they talk about the tour. They talk about Dino Setz's nasty-ass apartment. She's like, what's, what's Dino's apartment like? He's like, I wouldn't fucking live there in five fucking minutes. And then she somehow, I don't know how the fuck she says it, she's like, I wouldn't go in there. I'd take all my clothes off and jump off, jump off the biggest fucking bridge. Like, it's so dark how dark they get. Uh, Merle shows her sucking on your pussy on a Friday night. Um, he plays the music, the new Murder Junkies music, Farletta in the car, Life is Hard and So Am I. Sucking on your pussy on a Friday night. Merle says, uh, I don't know how we would have turned out if we were stuck in that log cabin with our father. Um, says she was a good mother. Arletta, you know, flashes back, says, you know, why Gigi was named Jesus Christ. It's because his father uh, had this, like, vision in his dream that Jesus Christ came to him in a dream and said, you're going to have a great son. You got to name him Jesus Christ. And, of course, she did, because he was probably going to beat the shit out of her if she didn't. Um, but she kind of got a cop out, because when Merle was younger, and they would say Jesus, Merle would say Gigi. So they went with Gigi as the name. That's how the nickname of Gigi started. Uh, but then she legally changed it to Kevin Michael. Uh, she talks about the time Gigi's father dug a 10-foot hole in the cellar, and she says, uh, what, are you, what are you doing with that hole? He says, I'm going to bury you, Merle, and Kevin in there. So just a fucking psycho father. GG Audio says evil is important. Uh, it's important to put evil in people's heart. They just kind of randomly dropped that in. 
Um, Arletta gets really specific about Gigi's father. She said that he um, held, you know, held them with a gun, threatened if they threatened to leave, raped Arletta uh, with Gigi and Merle in the room. But she says she didn't say much because she didn't want them to know what was going on. So when she was getting raped, she put up no resistance. Um, and basically, he took his truck and went away, hitchhiked down to her mom's house with uh, Merle and Kevin and tried to get on her own two feet and get away, possibly as far away from him as she could. Uh, but somehow he came and took Gigi back to the log cabin, and I guess somehow she was able to get him back, worried about the boys being alone with him for reasons. I had a few things that made me think they would not be safe with him alone. I talked to everybody. I talked to the judge, the doctor, the priest. Uh, he couldn't have custody. He couldn't see them alone. I changed Gigi's name from Jesus to Kevin Michael. <coughs> June 27, 1993. Gigi Allen dead. Um, Arletta speaks like shortly before he died Kevin called her wanting to come see her and thinking about coming home and getting better Merle explains the final hoorah of Gigi Allen New York City big fucking show 3pm at the gas station but the show was cut short the power was cut Gigi was off coke drunk he was all geared up fired up and then the venue cut the power so Gigi took the shit to the streets. The final hell ride. Find that shit on YouTube. Basically what I'm talking about. The insane final day of Gigi Allen's life. And basically I guess where he overdosed. Um, looks like Grand Theft Auto. Just fucking anarchy on the Lower East Side of New York. He flings a bottle. He's like naked. He does like a somersault and flings a Jim Beam bottle at a Greyhound. Or like a fucking public transport bus. Merle says that Gigi Allen was hanging out with different people than who he came with and probably people that weren't looking out for his best interest. <coughs> and uh, basically, Merle says that time stood still. Uh, we see footage of the funeral. Merle says it's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it. And the eerie funeral footage of the surely smelly body of Gigi Allen in an open casket. It's really hard to watch. But as the screen fades to black, we then get an uplifting movement at the Museum of Death in Hollywood, California, where Murrow Allen reveals a Gigi Allen wax figure. He uh, says that the popularity of Gigi has grown so much post-death, and he thinks that his brother is finally getting the recognition he truly deserves. And he reveals, he pulls down the curtain, an awesome wax figure. It's like Gigi Allen with the war helmet, uh, the skirt, and the denim jacket. This is a really fucking cool statue of Gigi Allen. Um, Arletta show some jail art that Gigi made for her for Mother's Day or her birthday. I can't remember. She said, this was Kevin talking. Have a great day. It's been a long time. I think a lot about the time I was living upstairs and lounging around the pool. And she says, this is Kevin. This was the, this was the boy that drank Yoo-Hoo and sat by the pool with me. He was my little boy. Uh, this shows uh, just a bunch of childhood photos of Gigi, Merle, and Arletta all, Arletta all together. Uh... My, she goes to the gravesite. She says, my father's brother is there. Kevin is there. I was going to be there, but I can't now because I gave Gigi my place. So what I'm going to have Merle do is I'm going to be cremated, and he's going to uh, dig me a hole and put me on top of Kevin. I want to be with Kevin. Uh, 
So much has happened to all of us, you, me, and Nico, and Merle. One day we will all be together again. So have a great day. You deserve it. Love, Kevin. And she says the only day they'll ever be together is when they're down at the cemetery together. And she wouldn't take a billion dollars for that. Arletta, uh, the final scene, a very uplifting scene. Arletta hosting the 25th or the 20th anniversary uh, of the death of Gigi Allen at a murder junkie show. So I'm guessing June 2013. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't, like, Arletta even looks different throughout the course of the film. So I'm pretty sure they filmed this over, like, five years. And then it's like a big shebang, the 20th anniversary of Gigi's death. They put on this crazy big murder junkie show. And they actually had a pretty good turnout, I guess, for that, you know, for a show like that. And uh, everybody's having a good time, taking pictures with Arletta. She gets to be the hostess for the show. And, uh... Then the music, the the film closes with Arletta laughing, saying, ha, his music is terrible, which is the best line ever. And then, you know, the film ends with Gigi Allen, When I Die. When I die, put that bottle in my hand all these years on earth. It was my only friend. When you dig a hole and gonna bury me, put that bottle of Jim Beam to rest beside me. All my life I've been living on the run, hanging out in bars and hotel rooms, annoying everyone. Living on the road, running from coast to coast, spending many nights in jail like a gunman at his post. When I die, you don't have to cry. You don't have to feel no feelings inside. Never cared or had no feelings for no one. There you go. Gigi Allen. The Allens. Film review. It was fucking awesome. I loved it. Personally, it did not ruin any of the Gigi kayfabe. I came out knowing a few things. I mean, if you're a mega Gigi Allen fan, you're not going to learn a single fucking thing from this film. But it's such a cool look to see what Merle's up to. You get such an insight. No, I mean, not a, such an insight, but it's like a great epilogue. I mean, that's the best way to fucking put it. Thank you for listening. This has been the Trailer Part Cinderella podcast. Um, please subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, Trailer Part Sin. Follow us on Instagram, Trailer Part Cinderella. Uh, yeah, that's about it. Support. Share this. Tweet it out. You're not going to get any retweets or likes on it. If I find it, I might give you one. But, yeah, help the show out. Hit me up on Twitter. Tell me what you think. Thank you for listening.